Tuesday morning to you. And it, and it is good in that it was relatively benign for a Tuesday on the highways and byways. Shocking. Was it, was it good for you, too? Like the West Bank traffic was non-existent today. Wow. White to cross West Bank, says the light. But you you had no problem with that. None at all. That's good. Ray Benson did not need to get involved. And That's good. That's let good. Let people know when to hold up and when to walk. This yeah, and mine, and, and I, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. I put it as Tuesdays go. Yeah, there was some stuff coming out of, you know, uh, Georgetown Round Rock. There always is, but it but it could have been worse. I'll so you, take it and smile. So you got that going for you. Which is next. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Life the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Wake. Glad to have you with us. The other voice, of course, that of my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County, a proud graduate of Florence High School. Very proud, extremely proud. Where they knew him as Highway 79 back in the day when he wore the purple and white 79 as an honorable mention, all district offensive lineman for those Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. Purple on purple, I still maintain I look like the grimace plodding around the field. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that. Uh, yesterday, well, first let me finish the introductions and end it to your point. <laughs> the introductions, of course, include our producer, the erstwhile, Cameron Parker, who doubles up also as our outstanding producer and engineer on site for Texas women's basketball and was there with me to witness the unfortunate events of last night in Moody Center. How are you doing this morning, Cam? Good, Craig. Yeah. Um, what a post game from Vic and Taylor and Roy Harmon. We got a little MJ, and I took that personally out of Roy Harmon last night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll hear some from Vic Schaefer coming up on that. Can we start calling Cam the prodigy? He's I, beyond prodigy. I think he's a play-by-play prodigy. Well, I, that, now that I could see. Did you know Cameron, like, his uh, email address, because I needed to email him the David Pierce audio for yesterday's show? Yeah. And I was like, Cam, what's your email address? Because it doesn't, you know... I don't. It's email addresses are like phone numbers. They just pop up, and if it doesn't pop up, I need to write it. down. I like his email address. Yeah, it's. I won't say the full thing because I don't need Cam getting a bunch of junk emails or spam right. emails. Right. But PXP, the letters PXP are in his email address. Yeah, like, that is nice. Yeah. nice. I'm sure my dad will post it on the Horns Two Four Seven flagship message board. So. Please, Mr. Here's Parker, Cameron's do email, his phone address, social security number. You know, if he's susceptible to any diseases, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Why are my dental records floating around? Yeah, don't need that. Um, yesterday. Hey, before we get going, can I I need to shout out somebody in the Horn staff real quick. Yeah. So Derek Cohen and I, Derek is big into the uh, memorabilia uh, cart collecting game like I am. And he sent me, he, he had won this jersey as some kind of raffle. And I mentioned, oh, this person is my favorite player of all time. He has given me this jersey, Craig. This is... An autographed Emmett Smith jersey. Now, this is a piece wow. in my collection that I do not have. Holding wow. it up for everyone to see on Twitch. Wow. This will be getting framed. This will be in my office. And other than my Mickey Mantle 8x10 and probably my Nolan Ryan 68 rookie card, yeah. this is the most impressive thing in my collection now. So he just gave it to you? Yeah. What's the catch? I don't know, but I'll... Oh, okay. I'll We'll we'll get even somehow. Okay, okay, nice, nice of Derek to do that. Shout out to Derek Cohen. Absolutely, Every, everybody on the uh, flex side and the promotion side. Yeah, there you go. Station. Um, it, to your point about purple, and what, would you said you had to strike the line? What what was the deal about the, the grimace? Yeah, it was purple on purple. Then it looked like right. the grimace, especially my senior year when I tried to do the uh, 
It was my senior year was 2001, coincided with, as I always say, the Texas football season that as a fan just broke my heart. Uh, I tried to do the Mike Williams bit where I rolled with black ankle braces and black socks. So yeah, yeah. The only kind of light colors showing were just my caps. Oh, much. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. The reason why I mentioned that um, is because... On top of purple helmet, purple face mask. Correct. Lots of purple involved yes. there. Uh, the reason why I mentioned that is yesterday... Uh, Coach Todd Winfrey, he's the coach at Canyon High School. Yes, and he, not New Braunfels Canyon. No, no, Canyon, Texas, USA. Yes. They're eighteen miles south of Amarillo on I twenty seven. He uh, was uh, was one of the speakers at the uh, coaches' leadership summit that I emceed from the Texas High School Coach Association. I do that every year up in Arlington, and it's a really cool inspirational event you you hear from some great speakers. Jody Conrad did an amazing job. She was really good. That seemed to be the feedback on the Twitter machine. Woof. She was really good. I'll tell you another one that just left you spellbound. A guy named Chris Singleton, not to be confused with the Chris Singleton on ESPN Radio. Not 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 him. Mm-hmm. But this guy was a baseball player. He was a he was in the Cubs minor league system. Was a really good player at Charleston Southern. Was drafted in 2017 and was toiling in their minor league system. When he got word that uh, you remember the uh, horrific uh, mass shooting that happened in the church in Charleston, mm-hmm. his mother was one of the victims, and wow. uh, and eventually, it, it, within a couple of years after that, his his baseball playing days were over. But you talk about reinventing oneself, uh, which he did as an author and a speaker. And a big part of it, I was wondering why his address time, listen, because as the MC, they give you the you know the rundown of everybody and how long everybody speaks. Mm-hmm. And almost everybody was in the 20 to 25 minute range listed. He was given and listed as speaking for 35 minutes. And I thought, really? 35 minutes? What what what, what can he say? 35 minutes wasn't enough. I'm telling you. I mean, and, and he kept to his time, but I could have listened to the guy for, it was just amazing and there was a little bit of audience participation he got involved with some show of hands things and some other stuff and things like that uh he was it was amazing uh, so i mean i would say check awesome. it. yeah yeah check him out on the web you, you'll find out more about him so anyway all these really good speakers you've seen john bacon before like on the the espn uh college football 150 thing one of the guys interviews yeah. author and stuff he was one of the speakers oh, okay uh they, so anyway they had a lot of great speakers it's a great event however what I was bringing up is one of those who was a good speaker, uh, Todd Winfrey, the head coach at Canyon. Canyon's colors are purple and white. Todd Winfrey was in a purple suit. Wow. From head to toe. And he had now he had a white shirt on, but he had a purple tie. And we were joking and saw and he goes, Hey, just trying to represent here. He goes, I know and, and he used the words. I know I look more like the Grimace. <laughs> in, you, you do. If you're a man of any yeah. kind of substantial size. Uh, so he did. And uh, Cam, who did we see last night at Moody Center? Was our friend Corey Close from um, um, from uh, from KVU? Yeah, we that? saw Corey, Tyler Feldman. I believe he's DJ Jelly on, on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we saw Cliff, of course. Yeah. There was, but, there was a, but Corey was wearing the purple. He had the purple vest going on. Yeah. He, he he had that. He had purple pants too, mm-hmm. and and uh, and white shoes. And I looked at Corey, and I thought he looked sharp. I could never pull that off. No, Corey can. I could never pull that off. Um, He's the probably the best dressed 
local TV. Yeah. Oh, without reporter. question. Yeah. Corey, without question, is. Yeah. So, so anyway, that, that some thoughts on purple. Speaking of purple, the purple and yellow and white of the LSU Tigers in town tonight, number one team in the country, taking on Longhorn Baseball at UFC Udish Falk Field. And it's a 6.30 first pitch. Ty Harrington will join me for the call beginning at 6.15. I know you ran the audio yesterday on the program, Jeff, from David Pierce, where the words most embarrassing defeat and all that other kind of stuff. From Not from the fact that they lost to Indiana. Indiana's not a bad program at all. Not the, for the fact that they gave up the four runs in the sixth inning and they couldn't couldn't uh, overcome that after they'd held a two nothing lead. Not not that. No, it was it was the other things, right? It's the way they lost. Yeah, yeah. That's what bothered. Him. And Dylan Campbell said that was pretty much the message in the clubhouse because uh, Craig, I can't think of too many times. Uh, maybe one of those Air Force games last year where yeah. David Pierce, you know, especially on a Sunday non conference game, guys will mill around and sign autographs and sure. family members. This was game over, straight to the clubhouse. Yeah, uh, Nathan Thornhill was waiting to do the post game interview. So, with Coach. I felt so a, bad for a, Nathan. I really did. I'm like, <laughs> Nathan's just standing out there, and I I pictured a scenario where Craig's like, "Well, let's go down to Nathan Thornhill," and uh, Nathan's like, "Well, Craig, didn't a whole lot happening down here? Back to you in the booth." No, I could see, I could see he was uh, down there uh, waiting, out. and we kind of knew it might be a bit. So that's why we went through the game highlights and the stats and some of the other things as well before we got to it and finally worked out. Y'all have, time. Y'all have the stuff that can filibuster. Oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. That that I never worry about that sort of stuff. But um, but Coach Pierce was talking about those things, and so the next game out of the box is against the number one team in the country, uh, which two two of three at the uh, Ram Rock Classic at Dell Diamond. Another crack at an SEC program. Yep. After uh, you know. The Ofer in Arlington. Right. And so they got another nice. SEC program to come later. Those guys over in College Station. They, they've had a, a rough go at it recently. Yeah. Portland. Lose yeah. a series to Portland. Lose yeah. a midweek to Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that, that'll, uh, that's still to come. But uh, my point was going to be that, uh, and, and this is going to be the common thread tied back to uh, the Texas women's basketball team. Is that, and I've asked coaches this, I asked Rodney Terry this last week. Um, the old thing about you never stop learning and you never stop trying to get better off of learning. It would be very easy for folks to look at either the men's or women's basketball teams who both will be coming off losses. The men tomorrow night in Fort Worth at TCU, the women, another purple team, by the way, TCU, uh, the, the men at TCU, the women will be coming off that loss last night against Baylor when they go to play. Another purple team, Kansas State, on uh, Saturday in Manhattan to close out the regular season. It would be easy for folks to look at it and say, you know, by the time you get to game 30, your learning ought to be in the books. Now it's just practicing your craft. But but it's not true because you're constantly in the ed- educational realm, not only because they're at an institution of higher education, but because there's always nuances and things what teams are going to do to you. I thought Baylor did a tremendous job of ball screen action last night. Really caused Texas a lot of problems. In fact, Elena Lovato said it on the postgame. She goes, Kansas State, I have to look at, uh, have a look at that tape, and they'll ball screen us to death, that kind of thing. She said, we just got to get better at it. And Rodney Terry said, we got to get better at doing more than that. And David Pierce said, we got to get better. We've got a lot to learn, a lot to get better. So 
that's the enduring theme always is that you've got to get better. There's there's uh, the old thing about you're not you're not staying the same. You're either getting better or you're getting worse, and it certainly holds true early in the season, but it also holds true late. What's uh, what's Bucky Godbolt like to say? You're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Sorry, Buck, if I d- butchered that. But, you know, that, I asked Rodney Terry about that. To, to You talk about Baylor making adjustments. I asked RT about that coming off of their loss to Baylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just how hard it is to sweep an opponent in this league because of the caliber of competition, sure. but the fact that in the case of trying to do it to Tech, trying to do it to Baylor, and now trying to do it to TCU – all on the road. Now you're having to try to do it on the road and a team you've already played before. Yep. That's like RT said yesterday when I asked him about it. You know, he, he talked about just that round robin format. He's like, look, TCU is going to be calling out our plays. We'll be calling out our their plays. He said the thing that separates the teams in March. To your point, who's going to execute better than the other team? Absolutely. Who who can execute their stuff better when the opponent knows you so well? To your point. Last night in the women's game, Baylor would bring the ball up the floor, and there were on there were on a few occasions where Nikki Collin, the head coach, was calling out, and she had like the hookem flashed up, the horns flashed up, so it's like horns or Texas, whatever their code word is. There, mm-hmm. Longhorns knew what was coming a lot of times, but just failed to stop it on some cases, uh, especially with like I said, excellent ball screen action done uh, by Baylor, and then on the offensive end, they it was a deal kind of like with Baylor for the men. Uh, the struggle to make shots. Um, and sometimes it was against the zone because they played a lot of zone, played some 1-3-1, one, one, they played 2-3. So they had a hard time with that uh, and struggled to make shots. So many jump hooks in the lane and turnaround jumpers in the lane that normally go down for Deanna Gaston. Even uh, Taylor Jones had a, had, a, had a double-double and she played well, but she had several shots go off the rim. They had several players have those go off the rim, fadeaways from Rory Harmon that normally fall that did not fall, and then uh, Shailen Gonzalez got an early foul difficult. I mean, there were a variety of reasons and things that add up to losing a basketball game, and they were all on display last night. We can talk about you know advanced statistics, talk about all kinds sure. of stuff in basketball, but you know, Craig, at the end of the day, it's really hard to win games when you fail to put the orange ball through the net as often as the opponent does. You know, it's the basketball <laughs> version of that football corollary about formula for success or reason for failure. Failure to run the ball and stop the run. And in basketball, failure to make shots and to stop the other team from making shots. Very rudimentary yeah. when you get down to it. So, anyway, we're going to hear from Vic Schaefer. What, do we have other things coming up in the uh, notebook, bottom of the hour? Uh, I've just got a, 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 just a couple of things to get to. I was going to yeah. kind of empty the – clear the deck with, with basketball stuff, yep. anything you had at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Get all that out of the way. Yep, yep. We'll, uh, we'll do all of that. Uh, we do have Inconceivable coming up uh, later this hour. And uh, some more things next hour as well. So uh, we're going get to get to those elements. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk. I heard Aaron and Bucky talking about this, and I've seen it in some other places as well. A lot of talk about uh, perhaps another uh, boiling plate date coming up for college athletics would be a week from today, maybe next Tuesday, the 7th, with regard to the Pac-12. And, and then the uh, grumbling and the stuff that's going on uh, with members of the ACC. The biggest problem of the ACC is that Clemson, Florida State, and Miami are all under that grant of rights agreement that extends for 13 more years. That's insane. 2036, that's going. So, and while there might be some brave talk, uh, I heard Aaron use the term saber-rattling, and that's exactly what it kind of is, mm-hmm. about 
you know, we need to redo or it, it kind of reminds me of the guy who signs a contract, performs well, and the very next year he wants it renegotiated because this this deal was done not long ago. So, uh, you know, they, and wanting it renegotiated, and and I understand the reasons why. When the uh, grant of rights annual revenues are projected to be in the mid thirty million percentile, thirty five, thirty six million for the ACC, and you know, with uh, with what could happen with the SEC in the seventy million dollar range, and and maybe upwards of a hundred million or an eighty, ninety million for the Big Ten, yeah, Big Twelve is going to be on the rise as well. You know, one can understand the grumble, uh, but. Are they really in any position to do anything? About I just it? know. Part and I, I got to thinking about this kind of. I, I went down a rabbit hole last week on the on the whole you know Bally Sinclair sure. mess that's going on right now. And Which, by the way, is the reason why if you want to watch Roger Wallace or yours truly calling girls UIL state championship basketball this weekend, and that is the plan, and uh, uh, we're we're all go- Roger's going to be heavily involved in it. On Saturday, starting, I believe, in the morning sessions in the afternoon, and then after I get done with the Kansas game, I'll head down there, and the two of us will team up on the evening sessions. But if you want to see it, you won't see it on Valley Sports Southwest. Uh, the, the whole thing with Sinclair and that bankruptcy that holds up its regional networks, it's not Bally's going under. Bally's is a name. Yeah. That's a sponsor name they put on it. The networks are owned and operated by Sinclair. And when they're going through a reorganization through bankruptcy, they freeze a lot of things. Yeah. So the way it was explained to us is there's not going to be any linear live television to that. It will be live, but you're going to have to stream it through NFHS, the National Federation. And I know, and and Cam, you could speak to this, there's some NFHS stuff that has gone, it's been kind of lacking on some of the quality of the telecast yes, stuff. Football, so. basketball, there's been some stuff. It's just not good. Um, the, uh the the folks at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, who also manage Texas Live and all that, they are in partnership on this to have a really good streamed production of these telecasts. Right. It's not your typical one camera, one dude yeah. shoot type thing. This they will be good quality streamed telecast. It's just not it. It's not going to be linear. Won't like, be like over the we see, we saw some primitive uh, like you know mid-major basketball at conference tournaments where it looks like somebody's just streaming it on an iPhone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I saw one. I'm flipping around. This is how wacko I am. At tip-off time last night for the Texas women's game, I'm just seeing what's up on ESPN Plus on my iPad. I got you watched there. that A-Sun game, didn't you? No, I didn't. And if I thought about it, I would have put it on there. <laughs> because I can tell you tonight, by the way, when calling the, the baseball game, I'll have on one of my screens – Texas State playing for its basketball season life yep. tonight. They got a play in game. They're the 11 seed in the Sun Belt tournament, and they play Georgia State, the 14 seed. From here on out, it's win or go home for Texas State. They've got to win five games in seven days to go to the big dance. So the odds are obviously extremely remote. But I'll have it on in the booth. No, you know what I had it on last night? I was, I was flipping, I was looking at different things, and it was getting close to tip off. I didn't keep it on it very long, but there was a game going on between. Odessa College in South Plains. Oh, Craig. Who's Craig. Juco Hoop. And I showed it to Kathy Harston. She goes, yeah! Oh. <laughs> I had it all. I, I, curiosity. I want to see what the yeah. production quality was. And it wasn't bad. I had it on for a little bit. Then I went ahead and I switched it to North Carolina, Florida State. Is that why your That's friends right. call you Whiskers? Because you're curious like a cat? Like a cat. Um, no, I was thinking about the Bally's mess on, on top of sure. uh, you know what the Pac-12 is dealing with. And I, I don't think this is as much a... 
a media rights bubble busting as much as it is. I think whether it's ESPN or Fox or, you know, if Amazon gets in the game, whoever it is, I think these networks are willing to cough up premium money for premium brands. Yeah. Getting what the SEC is premium brand. The big 10 is a premium brand. Uh, Based on the money they're projected to get, I think the Big 12 is considered a, a premium, premium brand. brand. Uh, Brett Yormark has marketed it as a premium brand. It was very successful getting them their new TV deal. I would assume the ACC, Craig, with as many you know brands as you've got in that league, is considered a premium brand, mm-hmm. maybe more so than the Pac-12. I would yep. feel better if I'm an ACC member school than I would if I'm a Pac-12 school. You know, if I'm yeah. a if I'm a Georgia Tech, a Virginia Tech. Uh, who else could I think about that's not on that upper tier? Like a Boston College, I feel much better right now. Wake than, Forest, Wake Forest, I feel much better than I do if I'm Cal or Washington State, or Oregon, Oregon State. State. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. It's a good point. Yeah, no, no doubt. So about I, it. Like I said I don't. I, I wondered this ten years ago when, or more than that at this point when when we were going through the whole is Texas going to join the Pac-12 and the Pac-16 stuff and talking about the money that was getting floated at that point and you always hear this with like you know NBA when those national television rights come up and, and the NFL you know their television revenues going up which means the salary caps going up I don't think like I said I don't think it's as much I wonder man this has got to bust at some point right and I think it is and I think it is busting. If you're not a premium brand, like the, yeah. the Bally's thing is different. We we don't have enough time to go into that, but that is that's more of a case of I think Sinclair and the subsidiary they created realized they paid way too much mm-hmm. for the regional sports networks when Disney spun those off. And now now they're they may be shackled to them, but they know that they have to protect those, the regional. That's why you're not going to see other original content and things like that because they got to protect the Mavericks deal. they got to protect the deal with the Stars, the Texas Rangers. Same story in other markets mm-hmm. uh, as well. So that's, uh, that's a, a big part of all of that. Our uh, Specs text line is open at 337 I think I read something that AT&T Sportsnet is dealing with the same, yeah. same thing. And they handle Rockets. Uh, Astros, Mariners, uh, Astros, Pirates, the, the Jazz, maybe Rockies. I think yeah. uh, some of those. Uh, Blazers, Blazers is the other one. Yeah, that's a root sports. Thing. Right, exactly. Um, uh, our specs text line open at three three seven three seven seven six five one two three three seven three seven seven six. Somebody said, let's don't forget the no hitter and softball that we could mention it. We had it in the. Um, uh, the reports yesterday, the, the funny thing is Jody Conrad and I were talking backstage before she spoke yesterday, and we talked about that no-hitter and said, isn't it always the way, the day you get a no-hitter in softball is when you win 22 to nothing in five innings. When you need the, the no-hitter is one to nothing, but it goes hand-in-hand hand yeah. with the, the caliber of opponent. Uh, that. Hey, Cameron, what were you eating back there? A little peanut butter oatmeal. There you peanut go. Bu- peanut butter Ooh, oatmeal. That sounds good. That sounds disgusting. No, that sounds it, great. It was good. Fill you Is up. Is that a, a cookie? Bit. Is that a cookie you were going with? No, peanut he, butter oatmeal. No, he's oatmeal. In a, in a bowl. Oh, it's peanut oatmeal. butter oatmeal. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I don't know if you're eating chicken salad or what was going on back there. I just happened to glance over. Yeah. Um. Somebody said, "Do the women? Don't the women have several hurt players?" Yes. I'm going to get to that coming up. Uh, and our uh, friend MJ from uh, Hearn. Uh, from the town that killed Walmart. Uh, the town twice. that Walmart killed twice. And uh, he points it out. He says, them Hearn Eagles will be in San Antonio for the first time in school history at the UIO Girls State Tournament. And I know, How about I, Hearn getting there? I know Big Craig hit us up on the Twitter machine or hit me up on the Twitter machine yeah. yesterday. We're talking about no 
Austin area teams and the girls' state tournament. Yeah. He said, hey, if you're in the area, Glen Rose could use that support. Ooh, they draw La Vega, don't they? I believe so, yeah. La Vega is monstrous. They're going to be very – they've won most of their games by unbelievably lopsided margins. So if you're headed down That's to San Antonio, you're looking for a team to root for. Hearn or Glen Rose, pick one. There or maybe both. I'll give you another one. Uh, San Antonio Wagner is coached by former long lifetime – well, by lifetime Longhorn, former member of the 2003 Final Four team, Anissa Hastings. Really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and her daughter plays for them. So – um, Jody and I were talking about that as well, so that's that's pretty cool. All right. Uh, By the way, Fairfield in the state tournament also. There's a, there's a Texas tie with that Fairfield team. Absolutely, the Brackens Tony, Tony Brackens, uh, mm. both his daughters playing yeah. the Fairfield. Team. They've been there before too. Uh, By the way, we saw Tony Brackens last spring at the uh, Texas High School Football Hall of Fame yeah. banquet. Colt McCoy also got inducted. Your broadcast partner Shay Walker got inducted. Yeah. Tony Brackens looks like he could still go play. Yeah. I know yeah. people say that a lot, but really, I mean, like, he's still, yeah. You know who looked, Country strong, as they might say. Speaking of country strong, you know who looked pretty good, and I had not seen him in 15 years probably, Randy White. <laughs> the manster. The manster, the Pro Football Hall of Famer, of course, in the Cowboys Ring of Honor, the great Randy White. He and I worked together on a charity golf tournament back 20 years ago. Uh, I mean, it, at least no. It had to be longer than that. I was I was still living in uh, in Irving at the time. This had to be mid '90s. So we're we're talking going on 30 years ago. Uh, he and I were were part of a group that were helping. Uh, it was a great cause uh, for um, uh, it was similar to what Bucky deals with with the Burke Center uh, for youth. It, it's similar type thing, and uh, we were working on the golf tournament, and we were remembering one another talking about that, and he said. You were, he said, when we were talking, he said, you were working, uh, Brad Chapman's your boss back then. I said, yes, he is. I said, he's no longer my boss, but he's still a mentor to me. And he goes, how old is Brad? And I did the math on it. I said, I think he's 73. I think he goes, he's older than I am. <laughs> and I said, well, Randy, you came out of college at 75. So, yeah, you know, Brad's been on radio since the late 60s. So, uh, anyway. It's a Hall of Famer right Yeah, right. And, and Randy looked good. And, and he is part of a group called Friday Night Lights Against Opioids. Now they're trying to deal with the, the oh, opioid okay. crisis. Yeah. And they, they're setting this up where they're getting schools through pilot programs that participate to where folks are handing out these packets at football games where people can dispose of their opioids by doing that. So it's, you know, that's a, an awareness. That's thing. good. Yeah. And, he's, and he is front and center. On a lot of that. All right, we have much to get to. Up next, we'll have our uh, Longhorn Notebook for the first hour as we continue to light the tower on the Horn 1049, 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way. A little Nirvana coming back. Yeah, Craig, that's okay. That. Nothing wrong with Nirvana. This, this I, I wound was up never the, a grunge guy in terms of... This wound up on the playlist on my way in this morning. I okay. just randomly just clicked through stuff. But I've liked a lot of their work and if, some of the others. If you're, if you're making a list of songs that define the 90s, 
this, this is has got to be in the top two or three, if not number one. It's on it. It's definitely. Absolutely. Uh, so we've got things to deal with here. Well, I still can't believe Aaron Hogan on his music survey had Nirvana as the band he thought was overrated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because a lot of his stuff was 90s related stuff. Yeah. Especially that, like, that's right in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had Dave Matthews Band in there, you know? So I mean, that's, that's how it goes. All right, it's time for a Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. It's Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to get our home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that 10-day home loan approval a reality. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. B O W E R S O C K. Bowersockteam.com. All right. Which sport do we want to begin? Women's basketball last night? Well, I'll go ahead and hit this football note yeah. real quick. Yes. John in the Bay. We discussed this yesterday, but uh, Steve Wiltfong, our uh, director of recruiting at 24 7 Sports, put in a crystal ball prediction for Texas to get Jarrett Gibson, the number one ranked running back in the country for the class of 2024. Uh, he and his family have really hit it off. With Shard Choice, you know, Coach Choice continues to do a really good job. Uh, did so with Cedric Baxter in the 23 class, now with Jarrett Gibson in the 24 class. And to uh, to John in the Bayes question, he said, Coach Choice will be do a raise and a title change if this happens. Uh, you know, he just got the contract extension, you know, last week when the Board of Regents right. met, got that contract extension taken care of. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that, you know, at the end of the season, if things continue the way they're continuing, if Coach Choice doesn't get a, a raise and maybe a title upgrade. Because uh, I, I know he's I, – I, I've heard uh, that he's had some some other suitors come at him, but as for all indications are he's he's happy at Texas and – likes the way things are going, so yeah, uh, just continue to do a really, really good job. You know, when Texas lost Stan Drayton, I didn't know, you know, if they could upgrade, because Stan Drayton was really good. I mean, he helped get B. John Robinson here, did a really good job coaching the running backs, but I, I think you might have upgraded with getting to Shard Choice as your running backs coach. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been something else there. Po- poached him from, he was headed to, to USC with Lincoln Riley. That's and, right. And you poached him away from, from Lincoln Riley, so it's a really, really good hire by Sark. And again, Craig, <laughs> I know I've I've said this a lot in the last week. People don't need to sleep on the fact that one of Sark's strengths appears to be the ability to hire quality coaches. And that was, don't sneeze at it, because that was one of Mac Brown's big strengths, was his ability to hire really good coaches. He he had some misses, but way more hits than he had mm-hmm. misses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um the uh, the hits and misses, unfortunately, for uh, Texas women's basketball, more misses uh, than hits, especially on the offensive side, and their loss last night to Baylor. You know, it, what makes it unfortunate, I could just see the hurt on the faces of, of Vic Schaefer and his staff and the players, is that, you know, they've had such an outstanding season. And by the way, they win Saturday, and I think they probably will. They're still going to win at least a share of the Big 12 title, and there's still a decent chance they might win it outright because Oklahoma has to close at Oklahoma State, where they've already lost to the Cowgirls this year in Norman. So they're going to have to play them there in Stillwater on Oklahoma State Senior Day. So it's anything but a given that uh, they're going to win out. They'll win their uh, senior night game tomorrow night against Kansas State. They'll win that and pull even with Texas again. Yeah, But the Longhorns have the tie break on Oklahoma because they swept them. And so a win on Saturday at least earns Texas a share of the Big 12 title 
and they could wind up winning the whole thing all by themselves as long as they take care of business. I, I was thinking about this this morning before we get to this audio. There was a point in the year, earlier in the year, where you know th- this team was clearly struggling, mm-hmm. and you had the Aaliyah Moore injury. At that point, if you had told Vic Schaefer, hey, when the dust settles, I'm trying to find, okay, they had the loss to South Florida, and they were 3-4. and four, Yep. And the Aaliyah Moore injury happened right around that time. Mm-hmm. If you'd have told Vic Schaefer at that point, hey, you're going to get at least a share of the conference championship and pretty much lock yourself into being a top-four seed in the tournament, would you take it? I think there's no question he would have taken it. He said something very similar to me like a week ago. We were talking about that. He said, if you'd ask me back then with all the injuries, with Rory Harmon missing time or with Taylor Jones missing, I believe, 10 games. uh, Right now they're having to do, uh, you know, uh, without Sonia Morris, who's missed five games with that Mm -hmm. thigh injury. Uh, Jocalinga Wenentanda couldn't play last night uh, because she stepped on a foot in practice. On Tuesday. That's unfortunate. Yeah, turned an ankle. Now, they don't think it's serious, but but you have to miss a few days. Might or might not be available on Saturday against K-State. So, yes, to answer the texter's question, they have been clobbered by injuries. He was having to play a freshman forward in Amina Muhammad out on the wing uh, to try to help alleviate that. But then once uh, Shaley Gonzalez got in early foul trouble, that added to it as well. And then they just did not make shots. The shots they were making on Saturday in Norman, and normally you make those shots at home and not so much on the road, but they couldn't miss on Saturday in the second half of the game that Gonzalez and Shea Holly and Rory Harmon were making. Well, they weren't making those, and they and they missed a lot of stuff around the baskets. That was on the offensive end. And then on the defensive end, even though they controlled the rebounding throughout, they missed uh, put-back opportunities off offensive boards and then gave up a lot of key rebounds in the second half. Baylor did an excellent job with its ball screening, uh, and uh, it, was, it ultimately led to Baylor running the pace of the game the way they wanted to, and Baylor got the win. As I started to say, you could kind of see the, the hurt and the disappointment in the eyes of the Texas players and of the coaching staff not just because it was a loss and not just because it was a loss on senior night, but as hard as they have worked to get it to this position to where Vic Schaefer could put out a 10K for 10K challenge, and the challenge was met. They had a sellout, 10,763. It was great to see last night. I think the ultimate, counting the matching donations, was like $166,000 to the Neighborhood Longhorns program. So it was great. All of that were good, and unfortunately it was juxtaposed against a disappointing defeat because they would have loved more than anybody else in that building to clinch a share of the conference title, get the sweep over Baylor, all of those things, and it just didn't happen. So that's why you can hear the disappointment in the voice of Vic Schaefer in the post-game news conference. I think the biggest disappointment is that you're playing for a championship, and we just... For whatever reason, you know, we, we weren't ready to go. And again, that's my responsibility. And uh, this is back-to-back Mondays where it's been like this. We had this at Iowa State where we didn't really have it. And uh, coming off of a Saturday win, and um, me, always you're always concerned about coming off an emotional win like we had on Saturday. But we've got so much at stake. I mean, we have a lot to play for. You'd, you'd think we'd, we'd have a little more energy and juice than than what we had. And again, I I thought Rory and Taylor, Shea, well, they played their guts out, but we had 17 turnovers, um, six by, you know, a, a young kid. 
and um, we only forced 12. So we only forced 12 turnovers, and we only had two steals. That stat, I don't have to look at the rest of the sheet. That tells me how hard we weren't playing. And so, um, you know, uh, 18 offensive boards, but we could only convert them into – uh, 18 second chance points. We had 11 at halftime. I thought they got the big rebounds in the second half. But again, I just thought they, I thought they played harder. Thought they wanted it more, and uh, you know it's disappointing. But hopefully, we'll learn from it. We we we're obviously very limited right now. We had no bench tonight with Jacqueline out, and. Um, and Sonia's still out, so we played three guards. When I had to go to a fourth guard, I had to play a four-player, and uh, that really limited us offensively. So um, defensively was much better in the second half, but, boy, the first half was not good. So, um, again, disappointing, but hopefully we'll learn from it. Yeah, that's all you can do, and that goes back to that deal we were talking about, about continuing to learn how it would be an important to continue to learn to try to do that. So, uh, And again, the way this will work, if Texas wins on Saturday at Kansas State, that's a 4 o'clock tip-off. Our good friend Dave Garrett will call the play-by-plays. He works with uh, Kathy Harston on that from Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, if the Longhorns win that game, they win at least a share of the Big 12 title. They're in the same position that Kansas is in right now. Real quick, did Dave... On the Make side. the Manhattan trip with you for football? He did. So in one athletic year, this is three trips to Manhattan for yeah. one Dave Garrett. Yep. Bless his soul. I know. I know, right? <laughs> uh, he's also going to fill in for me on one game in Lawrence, a Longhorn baseball in the weekend series against Kansas. When I come back to MC the Texas High School Football Hall of Fame banquet in May, he'll he'll work the Saturday game with Keith Moreland. I'll do the Friday and Sunday games. But- Why does it seem like the baseball team's always on the road when you MC that thing? Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. One time, only one time has it worked. Actually, I got kind of lucky because the first year that I emceed it, they were in Fort Worth. Okay. And it was an early game on Saturday. So I didn't have to miss a game. I did that and went down and did it. But every other time, it was West Virginia twice. Okay. Yeah. Kansas now twice, it'll be. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> there's that. But... Um, if they win on Saturday, they clinch at least a share of the conference title. They will also be the number one seed. They're in the exact same position the Kansas men are in. Uh, if Kansas wins tonight over Texas Tech, they will clinch at least a share of the um, conference title. Now, they won't necessarily wrap up the one seed yet, but but they will um, – they will clinch a share of the conference title if they win. And then, of course, the Longhorns have to win in Fort Worth over TCU to make the game meaningful, meaning a, a win would give them at least a share of the Big 12 title. Now, Kansas is hosting a desperate Texas Tech team, which dropped that game, uh, that heartbreaking game that they lost, uh, Tech did, on Saturday yeah. uh, in Fort Worth. Cameron and I were talking about or it yesterday. home against TCU. I think, I think Tech is in the same boat with Oklahoma now where you're in the gotta-win-the-Big-12 tournament to get in. Pretty much. I mean, a, a win over Kansas would be huge for Tech, but I would say even then, to be considered, the Red Raiders would probably have to get to the Big-12 tournament final and have a lot of chalk where you didn't have a lot of bid stealers. Yeah. Happen. So you'd probably have to have that happen for Tech. Tech in a better position than Oklahoma is on that. Tech, tech reminds me of uh, Texas during the NIT year. 
where yeah. you know in terms of net and things like that you you know you can make the case but you just don't have enough wins to justify getting in the field of 68. Yeah, so that's that's going to be a, a, a difficult thing there. Meanwhile, Texas gets ready for this matchup with TCU and I, I know you got a chance to listen in on the the media zoom there with Rodney Terry yesterday. Uh, one of the questions that was asked of Rodney was um, do you do you have to relay a sense of urgency to your guys with the probable understanding that they probably have to win both their games? I mean, we'll know after tonight whether it's whether that's still the case. I mean, if Tech were to upstate can, upset Kansas, they would still be in a flat-footed tie. Uh, and if Texas wins. They would be be in a flat, and even if they were to lose to TCU, if Tech were to to beat Kansas, they would still have a chance to to get it, claim a share of the title by beating Kansas on Saturday. But the probability is on Senior Night at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, that Kansas is going to handle its business against Texas Tech. So if you go with that line of thinking, then the Longhorns are pretty much in a situation they've got to beat TCU, and then they have to beat Kansas to claim a share of the title. So that question was put to Rodney Terry: Is there any? upgraded sense of urgency and he said when you think about it really not really we played much basketball for the last two weeks um you know and you know every game in the big 12 last i checked we you know i checked with our guys this morning every game's been a real game we haven't had an opponent where we can say hey man we we we, we can't bring our a game so um you know no different than what we've the way we've approached big 12 play the entire time tcu Team we have a lot of respect for, one of the fastest teams in the country uh, in transition. Jamie's got a, a really good older team. Um, you know, it's the next game on our schedule, and, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big 40 minutes for us, but every game in the Big 12 has been a big 40 minutes. So we're going to approach it the same way we have all all season long, you know, and we know we have an 80-minute, you know, Big 12 an 80-minute Big 12 conference season was what he was saying there. That's that's what it comes down to, 80 minutes, two games for uh, for Texas on that, starting with tomorrow night. And uh, got to handle their business against TCU. So that's, that's going to be the important element there. Frogs are healthy. Yeah. They're athletic. Yeah. We saw that in the first matchup. That's kind of what worries you about TCU. You know, every team in the Big 12 poses a different threat. To me, at TCU – the, when I think about it, Craig, probably the only team that athlete for athlete can match Texas, and when you just go across the board, they, they might be more athletic than Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TCU, by the way, still is playing to stay out of the Wednesday night play-in. They're 8-8 yeah. eight eight in the league. If they were to lose their final two games... They could go to eight and ten. Iowa State is eight and nine and holds a tie break on TCU. And lost to West Virginia last night. I watched the end of that game. Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State is seven and ten and holds a tie break. Uh, they lost what five in a row? Uh, Four or five in a row? I can't who remember. had Oak State? Uh, they have lost five straight. Iowa State has lost four straight. And Iowa State finishes in Waco on Saturday. They began conference play on New Year's Eve, the same day that Texas was in Norman. They began conference play at home against Baylor, and they conclude on the final day of the regular season. John Moore said that was told me when I was up in Waco Saturday, he said that's what they did last year. Played Iowa State, bookended their entire conference season, bookended by starting conference play against Iowa State and concluding conference play. Someone in the Big 12 thought they were pulling a funny when they made the schedule. I guess. 
Anyway, uh, it's an 8 o'clock game tomorrow night. You'll hear it here on the Horn, Texas and TCU at 7.30. Coming up, we'll uh, bring you our uh, inconceivable for the day as Light the Tower continues on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Inconceivable time. And uh, Craig and I are talking about closed down chicken places. Yeah. yeah. Chicken chains. Shame whenever we have to uh, mention that. <laughs> uh, speaking of fast food, this is something that I know that'll, that'll uh, interest Cam. Uh, Cam, on record as being a McDonald's fan, you like which burger is it you prefer? Is it the Quarter Pounder? McDouble. The McDouble. McDouble fries and a shake, right? That's correct. Ty Henderson likes the. Uh, like to say, they said he likes a sprite with his. I'm By the a high sea orange guy myself. Tried the uh, Dr Pepper shake at Whataburger. Finally. And yes, I liked it. You like it? Thumb up. Yeah. Anybody that likes Dr Pepper would probably and, and likes milkshakes probably would like the Dr Pepper shake. Has Good. anyone had the Dr Pepper wings at Pluckers? Yes, absolutely. Good. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I've been very reluctant. No, don't be reluctant. If you like Dr. Pepper at all, you'll like the wings, too. They worked on that formula for a while until they got it how they exactly wanted it. It's good. It is good. I enjoy the Dr. Pepper licorice. It's like Twizzlers, but Dr. Pepper flavored. The only place I can find them is Specs. Huh. It's really weird. It's random. I don't know. Okay. Um, just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, here's what I'm going to throw at you. Um, a McDonald's order of $97.43. Now... For me, I'm spending buying a McDonald's is going to run you a hundred bucks. Well, when you're making an order for a wedding, that's what you might do. Um, so it was ninety-seven dollars forty-three cents. Oh, by the way, they did it through the drive-through. You've either married the perfect woman or you're headed for divorce. Yeah, quickly. Uh, here's what you got with that. There was a three ninety-nine bundle with a double cheeseburger and a small fry. Another three ninety-nine bundle with a double cheese and a small fry. A third one. Then you had one S and S cup. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, you had a twenty-piece McNuggets with the uh, uh, ranch honey mustard and another S and S cup. Ranch. It's just uh, a ten-piece. You had, then you had another 10-piece, then it looks like two Big Macs, a double quarter pounder with cheese, large Dr. Pepper, large double quarter pounder with cheese, a filet of fish, a second filet of fish, four double cheeseburgers, five McChickens, and fries and drinks. So it added up to 97.43, and they were doing it for a small wedding, so they had some folks with that. By the way, you should know that, you know, uh, we mentioned that some of the most fascinating menu options at McDonald's come from the foreign lands, not from the United yeah. States. In Hong Kong, they offer full wedding packages, including meals, decorations, and if desired, a wedding cake composed of stacked boxes of McDonald's apple pies. Maybe I should have brought that up to Linda last year. Eh, probably not. Eh, no, the the food at your wedding was tremendous. Okay, all right. Yeah, so I was going to say I dropped. Uh, <coughs> You're saying that instead, it I should not have uh, make sure to not jettison the she crab soup. No, in if you'd place have done, if you'd done that, I'd have been I'd have been out the door, upset. Yeah. Okay. I don't know out the door because it you know it was it was a nice little trip for the family, so I wouldn't have been out the door. I'd have just I'd have been bitter. Yeah, I'd probably let you know about it. Okay, uh, I did drop 138 bucks at Chick Fil A over the weekend. What for my daughter's birthday? Yeah, 
You surpassed the wedding. Oh, well, I, how many were at the? How many at the, were at uh, the? Uh, what did we party? end up having? I think it was like 29, 28 people. Oh wow! Well, then you did well. So the two hundred count nugget tray, yeah, and uh, a jug of a gallon of sweet tea, unsweet tea, and lemonade. I mean, one hundred thirty. Did it? Bucks. Did it last all the way through? Yeah, the nuggets were gone. We came yeah, home yeah, with no yeah, nuggets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've still got some of the tea, and what was nice is it got to. Got to about half full, so I now I've mixed the sweet and the unsweet, and yeah, I got a jug of that in the fridge. Which got is a full nice. gallon of half and half. Got a little bit of lemonade left. Nice. So, yeah. are we all on board with half and half sweet and unsweet tea? Are we good that's with that? How I, that's how I roll, especially when you're on the road because uh, you don't have time to like put the sweet and low in, and, right. and you risk. Me. All it took was one spill for me to realize half and half's the way to go. You know. I never had half and half sweet tea till I came to Texas because in North Carolina, I'm, I'm going to continue to say this, this is one of the areas where they do something better, to, and that's sweet tea. It's not over-the-top, ridiculous, crazy sweet tea where it's way too sweet. They, 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 they can dial it back just enough. To give you to give you a good sweet tea without it being too much. <laughs> I used to make fun of my dad because he would either water his sweet tea down with either unsweet tea or just water. Yeah, just go half water. So what's um, the point? You know. Now I do the same thing. Yeah, do you really? <laughs> I was at my brother's house on Saturday after Charlotte's party. I took, I took her over to see my mom, and my brother like he'll dump like you know the whole bag of sugar in the tea. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So I'll do half sweet tea and then fill the rest with water. Okay. Okay. Um. Got an update on that. Remember the story? I, uh, I think I did it on Friday about the dude that said he won the two billion dollar Powerball and had his ticket stolen. Yeah. by the guy. Yeah, the California lottery said no, you didn't, and the state so far is saying yeah, no, you didn't. Gee, it wasn't couldn't, couldn't stolen. Have seen this conclusion coming. Uh, the California lottery is maintaining it did verify the rightful winner of the record-breaking $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot after a man claimed he had the winning ticket before it was stolen from him. It was a lawsuit filed last week in Los Angeles County Superior Court. Jose Rivera claimed he purchased the winning ticket at Joe's Service Center at Altadena the day before the drawing, but it was stolen by some dude named Reggie, who is the defendant in the suit. And all they have him named is Reggie in the suit. State officials... Miller? Uh, I don't know. State officials push back against Rivera's claim that he is the lottery winner, reiterating that Edwin Castro is the proper winner, says the state officials, and announced. Uh, and they said when it comes to the vetting process for the big winners, California Lottery has the utmost confidence in this process for doing so, said a uh, spokesperson. California Lottery remains confident that Edwin Castro is the rightful winner of the $2.04 billion prize stemming from the Powerball drawing of November uh, 2022. This can't have a witness. Well, see, that's the thing. Rivera also says he doesn't know the real name of Reggie. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> so... Uh, and, and by no, the way, nobody to corroborate. Didn't have somebody going. I seen him. Yeah, the guy is uh, suing the lottery, and he's and he's trying to sue the state as well. Good luck with that. It's uh, not working out so far for him. Um, uh, speaking of people stealing, that tie up courts with frivolous lawsuits, it's kind of like Potato Head just sent in this text yeah. about the McDonald's drive-through deal. So yeah. those people piss me off. That's an order you go in for. Don't clog up the drive-thru because you're lazy. Or order it on the app. That's what I did with my Chick-fil-A order. I ordered it on the app, went yeah. inside and picked it up. Yep. I didn't have to pick yep. up a spot in the drive-thru. Here's something you got to be careful of, speaking to If either of you guys are planning to go to New York anytime soon, let's say the Longhorns get to the Sweet 16s at Madison Square Garden. 
Oh, you might be there, right? Lord. Yeah. Okay. By the way, MSG has the last uh, Carnegie Deli in existence. Yeah, it's a shame. I used to go to the original and loved it. Um, do you own, either of you own iPod, uh, or excuse me, AirPod Maxes? Yeah. You do? I've just got the straight up iPod. Uh, I think it's not even the pros. It's just like the first generation yeah. or second generation. One. Yeah. yeah. Well, the but AirPod the, Max, be careful. What, Kim? The Max is different than the Pro. So there's the regular, there's the Pro, and then the. Okay, I had the Pros, sorry. Yeah, I, just okay, got the, this I just is, got the regular. I don't have the Max. This is Apple AirPod Max headphones, is what it's saying. All right. It, it, hold on to your headphones if you have them. Because since January, the New York City Police Department has recorded 21 incidents in which thieves riding mopeds come down and they pull the headphones off the victim's heads. And, of course, these things, you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, they sell for $549 on the Apple website. So a group of four individuals are being sought in connection with the thefts, according to an NYPD statement. Uh, the, the most recent one occurred a little over a week ago. Um, and it said two New York University students have been the targets of attempted headphone theft, and one student had their AirPod Max headphones stolen. The university advised students to be aware of their surroundings, keep your headphones and other valuables in your pocket. No, see, I walked through. I walked from my hotel to the garden with my AirPods in, but I think everyone was like, "No, that dude's cheap. Look at him. He's got old old AirPods. Ain't nothing worth stealing from this cat." Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, that's so. I would just say. Be careful if you're out there, you know. If you if you're even if you're wearing, you know, the headphones or whatever, and you see some dude approaching you in a moped, you might want to just reach up and hold on to the top of your head. It might look a little goofy, but at least you'd have them protected if that happens. I don't know. All right, we got the second hour of Light the Tower coming up, and uh, we'll get more back on uh, Texas basketball and baseball notes and some other topics as well. It's all coming up here. Second hour of Light the Tower. Here on the Horn, 104.9 FM, 1019, AM 1260. And, of course, where you can always catch us, live, local, and digital, on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. 